Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Happy New Year to all of you as we are now in 2023. Crazy how quick 2022 went, but a lot to talk about looking back and a lot to talk about uh, for the year ahead. So I want to start this by you know, assessing Biden's year based on the criteria that I set out just about a year ago. In January of 2022, I set out three goals for Biden and the Democrats, and I want to talk about how they did on those three metrics. But first, I want to talk about the war on Ukraine because that, you know, wasn't on the radar in January of 2022 and so didn't enter into my calculus. And that goes into the title of this episode, which is Joe Biden kind of saved Western civilization. And that sounds like hyperbole. It sounds like something almost in like a Saturday Night Live skit. But let's start with the facts here that Biden was probably the only Democrat who could have beaten Trump. And I say that as somebody who criticized Biden, didn't want him to be the nominee, and who was wrong about Biden. I think, again, he was the only one who could have beaten Trump. My preferred candidate, who I voted for in the primaries, Elizabeth Warren, would have gotten crushed. And so I am happy that I was wrong about that and happy that my candidate did not prevail. And just imagine what America would be like if Trump had won the election fairly. We know what he did when he lost. He basically initiated a fascist coup to try to overthrow the U.S. government. So that's who Trump is. And anyone with half a brain, in reality, knew that that's who Trump was before the election, before even the 2016 election. You should have known that. This is a man who will do anything to get what he wants, who is a career criminal. So if he had won... In 2020, America would be unrecognizable. I mean, the what would have happened to the legal system, the Department of Justice, the, the civil servants, the bureaucracy, the IRS, the courts, and who knows, maybe he would have figured out a way to stay in power, you know, beyond two terms. But American democracy as we know it would no longer cease to, you know, it would no longer function. It would cease to exist. And, you know, I'm not saying America would just disintegrate and fall off the map, but America as a functioning democracy, as a leader of kind of Western powers, would have been over. Trump talked about dismantling NATO if he won a second term. So that brings us to part two of this, which is the Ukrainian invasion by Russia. If that had happened when Trump had been president. Just imagine that. And again, I've talked about this before, but just, again, imagine that, right? He had called Putin a genius when he invaded. There is no question he would have just rolled over. There is no fucking way in hell Trump 
would have rallied the world and rallied NATO to oppose Putin. Right? That just wouldn't have happened. He literally said he wanted to dismantle NATO. So there's just no reality in which he just sees the light and realizes that a fascist invasion of a major European country is a bad thing. He would have celebrated it. Right? And so there's no question Ukraine would have fallen to Putin. And there we would have had Putin, a fascist autocrat, having just taken over a major European nation through force, right? Through a conquest, right? It's the largest European nation in terms of landmass, right? He would have taken that over. And we would have started to see huge repercussions in terms of the dismantling of Europe, right? Because what people would have think he would just stop there, all the other Eastern European nations would have been flipping out. We would have seen a, you know, a, a potential disintegration of Europe with America under Trump kind of being shrugging its shoulders and being like, Putin's a genius. Great. So again, that's what would have happened if Biden wasn't in the White House. And that kind of, to me, looks like the end of Western civilization as we know it. America, a kind of fascist, white supremacist kleptocracy under Trump, and then Europe falling to pieces with Putin on the rise, invading Eastern Europe. So now again, I want to say there's a lot of bad things about Western civilization. I'm not one of these people. It's like, oh, the end of Western civilization is like, you know, it's like this, you know, sacred thing that, you know, must be preserved at all costs. There's a lot of horrible things that we in the West have done and continue to do around the world. But that being said, there are a lot of good things about Western civilization. You know, most of the world's democracies are in the West. Most of the technology and innovation, a lot of, you know, a lot of the progress and rights has come out of the West. Not all, not exclusively. And the West has done horrible things and continues to do horrible things. But I'm one of these people who can criticize the West and still go, you know, the Western civilization crumbling under Trump and Putin, probably not a great thing. I'm pretty happy. I'm very happy that Biden is president and he prevented those things. So again, I don't think it's really an exaggeration to say if you take Biden out of the picture and you put in Trump, Western civilization's looking pretty shaky, right? So that's, you know, that's outside of the three things that I had set apart for Biden and the Democrats in 2022, but that's a pretty big fucking deal right there that Joe Biden kind of saved Western civilization. So let's give him big, big kudos for that. So that's where I'm starting. But now, you know, I want to, you know, move on to the to the other, you know, elements of the agenda. And I will do that after the break here. But I just want to kind of end on a couple things here that are, are related, which is, you know, just uh, at the end of December, Biden met with Zelensky, who made this surprise visit. To, to D.C. and gave an address in front of Congress, which was incredibly moving and inspirational, and, you know, met with Biden, and Biden was fully committed to, you know, seeing Ukraine victorious in this war against Russia. It looks like we're sending Patriot missiles, which is a big kind of escalation in terms of technology, to Ukraine, and this is important stuff. This is really good stuff, and what Biden is showing is that Good U.S. leadership can accomplish big things and is really important in the world. 
U.S. leadership invading Afghanistan, invading Iraq, fucking up two massive invasions, destabilizing the Middle East, killing hundreds of thousands of people, not good. You know, I can, I can do without that. But showing the U.S. as the preeminent world superpower getting behind Ukraine, you know, a kind of getting behind the, the David and the David and Goliath fight here and rallying the world to help protect democracy, that's good. And our military budget is so fucking obscene, right? It, we, we just passed it. You know, I'm going to talk about the good things Biden did, but unfortunately, and I'm going to do a whole nother episode on this, you know, the military industrial complex is a bipartisan thing. You know, under Biden, we increased the military budget obscenely again. It was basically, if you include veterans benefits, about a trillion dollars in 2022. So it's obscene. I fucking hate the military industrial complex. I hate the waste. I hate the stupidity. I hate how much of this is just, you know, everybody just throws all this money at it. They're unaccountable. They waste hundreds of billions of dollars and no one bats an eye while, you know, we have poor children and people who can't get medicines. Right. So but that's for another day. But that being said, as obscene as our military budget is, at least now, much of those resources and our military strength are finally being put to good use. Right. It's something right. That military budget, as bad as it is, at least it's going to back democracies against fascists. And you know what? I'll take that. Right. So look, while Biden is never going to get one one hundredth of the credit he deserves, he's fucking rocking it like a superhero right now who really did save Western civilization at this moment in history. So I'll come back and I'll assess the administration and the Democrats on the three priorities that I laid out in January of 22 right after the break. Okay, so let me review what I laid out in January 2022 as the three top priorities for Democrats and Biden. The first was getting a climate bill passed. The second was some type of voting rights or voting reforms to shore up our democratic system and prevent a future coup. And the third was indicting Trump for his multiple crimes. And again, when I did this in January 2022, this is before he stole classified documents and lied about it, this whole, you know, Mar-a-Lago raid, FBI raid. So I was just talking about, you know, the crimes he did in terms of the insurrection and the coup and inciting violence. But obviously now there's many more uh, crimes that he's committed because that's what he is. He's a fucking career sociopathic monster who will commit crimes until he is locked up behind bars. So we will get to that in a moment. I'm going to do a whole nother episode on the Trump criminality and where that's leading in the coming weeks. But let's start with the climate bill. The Democrats passed 
the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a major climate bill, and also passed tens of billions of dollars of climate provisions in the Chips and Science Act and also in the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, which was in late 21. So all in all, huge, huge win. These legislative achievements in this, in these, you know, combined, but mostly in the Inflation Reduction Act, are the biggest in my lifetime, period. And, and the climate movement got about 80% of what it wants. Nobody in America gets 80% of what they want in a major bill, especially with no margin for error in the Senate. And we did it. So, you know, I have been part of the climate movement. You know, I'm not one of the people who's, you know, protesting pipelines. I'm not one of the people who's, you know, marching. But I've been as an academic and a policy analyst and a and working in a think tank, I have been part of the climate movement. So I, you know, one one you know, millionth of the, the climate success is due to, you know, the work of, of my group and my people. And so I, I consider myself a, a member of this, and I am just ecstatic at what was accomplished. It is just incredible. And it's just, it's so rare to be winning, especially on this issue, that it, it feels weird. It feels really weird. And so I'm going to recommend a podcast. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's David Roberts uh, interviewing Congresswoman Castor in Florida, who led the House Climate Committee and helped get a lot of these bills passed and make them really good. And and the the podcast is about an hour long, and it's just a fucking masterclass in political leadership, particularly with respect to climate. So if you want to understand politics and how it works and understand the, the, the significance of these climate victories, this podcast will be a great start. So again, the first priority, check, big check, gold star. Second up is the voting rights stuff. Many of us had hoped that Manchin and Cinema would break the filibuster in the Senate to pass historic voting rights legislation. They both refused to do that. And so the Democrats who passed major voting legislation in the House of Representatives under Pelosi were unable to get anything to pass in the Senate because, again, without reforming the filibuster, you need 10 uh, Republican votes. And since Republicans, by and large, hate democracy, getting them to vote for more democracy is a fool's errand, and none of them supported um, this. And so it went down to defeat. However... A much more limited bill called the Electoral Count Act um, did make it into the omnibus spending bill of just a few weeks ago and was passed into law. And so that is a big deal. It's not what I wanted. It's not what we deserve. It's not what America needs in the sense that we need comprehensive, systematic voting reforms so that it is easy for every single U.S. citizen to vote and we can fight back against voter suppression. But that being said, this reform, the Electoral Count Act reform, does major things to prevent a coup. It does things like, say, the vice president, you know, in this case of 2020, Mike Pence, was not able to, you know, to overturn the electoral count. And so that's what, you know, that's why Trump was so pissed at Pence, because he didn't overturn the count. And now what this law does is saying, you can't do that. It doesn't matter if he says he wants to do it. If Trump convinces a Mike Pence to do it, doesn't matter. Not happening. Not part of the law. 
It does other things, too, that make it much harder for people in Congress to fuck around and support fake electors and stuff, and stuff like that. So again, it's the type of bill that we wouldn't have needed if Republicans weren't fascists and if we didn't have someone as monstrous as Trump. But it's good that that passed because now it codifies some basic things that were kind of vague in the Constitution and in our prior election law that makes it much harder for a Trump-like figure to do a future coup. So again, on this one, they did something. It's significant. It is not trivial. I give them, you know, give them bronze star. This was the minimum that needed to happen. But to be honest, it looked like it wasn't going to happen until the very end. And it didn't happen until literally, you know, the last days of, of the Congress. But, you know, they get a bronze star for that. So it's like, you know, gold, platinum star for climate, bronze star for voting rights. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the gold star is to do comprehensive voting reform. And they have not done that yet. And who knows when they will be able to do that. But again, they did a big, a big significant thing with the Electoral Count Act uh, reform. And, uh, you know, I give them credit for that. Again, it was, I think, the minimum they needed to do. But they got it over the finish line. So the third thing is the Trump indictment. And clearly that did not come in 2022. And so, you know, big thumbs down on that. Now, where there's a caveat on that is obviously this is not 100% under Biden's control. Yeah, I still, you know, ultimately if Trump is not indicted, I will blame Biden because he should have, you know, only um, appointed an attorney general who he knew and was confident that if the facts pointed to an indictment would indict Trump. The facts point to multiple indictments for Trump. He absolutely 100% must be indicted. But I'm going to give a pass on this one because I do think Trump is going to be indicted in the next few months. I wanted to him to be indicted in 2022. He should have been indicted in 2022. There is just reams of evidence. But you know what? If it's a few months later and it's a 10-count federal indictment for serious crimes, I'll be happy. You know, that... That that checklist item wasn't necessarily wedded to the calendars. The other two were because of the Congress. But if they didn't get climate and electoral reform done by the end of 2022, it wouldn't get done, period. And we know that now because the Republicans are taking over the House of Representatives. The Trump indictment doesn't have a deadline on it, you know, except the, you know, obviously it, the deadline at the end of Biden's term. So I'm I'm giving them a pass on that. And we're, you know, as long as, as he is indicted within the next few months, I will then give them a gold star on that. So that one's a question mark. But let's assume that Trump is going to be indicted because I think that's, I have 99.9% certainty that that is coming. That means gold, platinum star on climate, bronze star on, on election stuff, and then a soon-to-be gold star on the Trump indictment. So that's pretty fucking good. That's pretty good. I will take that. I give Biden, you know, I give him an A, overall an A. And when you add other stuff, right, you add the Chips and Science Act, you add some gun control stuff, you add add the marriage equality stuff, you add the fact that Cory Booker got in the FDA Modernization Act into the omnibus, which means the end of mandatory animal testing for drugs for 84 years. The Food and Drug Administration has made it required 
to torture and kill animals to get drugs approved. No longer. Almost a century requiring animal cruelty. And we know it's no longer needed because we have much better methods and animal testing is not only immoral, but it's not even effective. And so that, you know, for someone like me, that's a huge historic victory. And I'd say 99.9% of Americans don't even know what, what it was, don't even know it passed. There were so many historic things in these um, in these big bills that I'm still learning about it. Literally, I'm still learning about things like, wow, that passed? I didn't realize that. That was that was snuck in, not snuck in, but that was inserted into these big bills. And so it was just a historic year. The amount of legislation that got passed. So overall, I'm giving Biden and the Democrats an A+. I'm giving them a little, you know, on, on the, the strict criteria that I set out. It's an A-, A, because, again, Trump's not indicted yet. They didn't do as much on the election stuff. But they did all this extra stuff that I didn't even think they were going to be able to do, like the marriage equality stuff. And, again, this FDA bill. So I'm just really ecstatic historic accomplishments the last thing i'll just say is you know i'm gonna come in after the break and talk about you know what we're doing to look ahead but on the way out the door right pelosi stepped down as as the house leader she fucking owned kevin mccartney kevin kevin mccarthy when they passed this omnibus bill kevin mccarthy being the fucking tool that he is said like oh this is one of the most disgraceful shameful days in our history all this government waste Right. And, and Pelosi said, this is one of the most shameful days in, in, in Congress's history. Were you around on January 6th? Right. Just throwing it back in his face. And it just and again, with that smile of hers. I mean, it's just beautiful. She is absolutely the best speaker in U.S. history and the most powerful and successful woman in U.S. politics ever. And by far, I, like, there's no woman that even comes close to her in terms of influence and power and success. And just to keep in mind here, all the bills that failed, almost all of them passed the House. Where they went to where they failed was the Senate. Nancy Pelosi just kept throwing bill after bill. She failed on basically nothing. I mean, she passed the best versions of everything. And then a lot of times it got whittled down in the House, I mean in the Senate, or it just didn't even get a vote in the Senate. If it had been up to Nancy Pelosi, we would have passed an amazing Build Back Better. We would have passed amazing election reform. But she kept a narrow majority tight in line and got shit done month after month after month. And we're going to see. You're going to see now with whoever the leader is for the Republicans, you're going to see how hard it is to keep people together. It's going to be chaos in the Republican House. And it's going to show people how the, 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 the determination and the stability that Nancy Pelosi commanded was really historic. So anyway, the Dems absolutely crushed in 2022. Historic on many dimensions. So let's just give thanks for that. And we'll come back and talk about 2023 after the break. Give thanks and praises to the most
Okay, so before I get to my three kind of goals for 2023, I want to talk about the new Democratic leadership. Uh, we have Hakeem Jeffries, who's going to be taking over Nancy Pelosi's position. And then we have two others in that kind of round out the, the new leadership, Catherine Clark and Pete Aguilar. And so this is all great. We have a young, strong black man. We have a, you know, a strong kind of understated uh, progressive woman. And then we have a strong working class Latino man. And so I love it. I love the kind of the mix here, right? We took Pelosi out of that top position. We put a black man in there. Then we have, you know, uh, again, an understated, strong progressive woman and a strong working class Latino. So this is great. Hakeem Jeffries has already come out swinging against Kevin McCarthy and the clown circus show of the GOP caucus. I think this leadership is going to be awesome, and it's going to take away a big attack line that the GOP has, right? They've been, you know, always say, you know, Pelosi, Pelosi, Pelosi. They don't have that anymore. She's not the face of the Democratic leadership anymore. Now, I'm going to make a prediction, though, that I think many Republicans will still air ads and talk about Pelosi and call her out because the GOP base is so fucking dumb that they won't even know that Pelosi's not the leader anymore. But, you know, most people will. And so when they go after Jeffries, it's going to be a lot harder, right? Because, you know, it's going to bring out the racism. Why are you going after this black man, right? Why are you, you know, and they've already, the DOP is already showing its white nationalist, white supremacist roots and dedication. And so going after a black man is going to be a bad look. You know, going after the, you know, the San Francisco liberal woman, that was easy. In our sexist country, that was easy. Pelosi was an easy target. You know, a young, strong black man from the East Coast, not going to be so sure, you know, so so sure about that. And it's going to show how racist they are. So I'm really loving the new leadership. I don't know a ton about them, but I like what I see so far. I love how they're, again, they're all much younger. It's fresh faces. And it takes away the kind of the boogeyman of Pelosi that the Republicans have had to run against for the last 20 years. Now, I'm 99% sure Biden is going to run for re-election. There are many that are going to be unhappy about that, and especially in the pundit class about he's too old and you know the Democratic leadership in Congress stepped aside. Why doesn't he? But I want to say I'm happy about that. I want Biden to run for re-election. And here's why. There'll be no messy primary. Right, a primary can be good, right? But it can be messy, and it can bring out a lot of the, you know, the the baggage in a party and create a lot of negative feelings. Um, we saw that with obviously the Bernie Hillary run; that was very damaging to the Democratic brand. And so, all the mess is going to be on the Republican side. It's going to be a fucking shit show with you know Trump and whoever other you know want to be fascists are running. So let all the drama be on the GOP side while Biden just runs as the seasoned incumbent. And seasoned incumbents have huge advantages, right? He has an incredible record to run on, like just lists of a huge list of accomplishments. And yes, people are going to criticize his age, but so what? He deserves to run as long again. My one caveat here, as long as he's healthy, he doesn't have to be, you know, racing around the country giving you know barn you know fire you know fiery speeches but as long as he's got the stamina and the health to you know go out there and make his case 
I think he deserves to run. And I think if the economy is reasonably strong in 24, which I think there's a good likelihood it will be, I think he's in a great position. So I, you know, I am actually quite happy about Biden running again. And I think the, the GOP side is going to be a fucking shit show. Well, Biden is just going to be the steady hand getting shit done. And I love that contrast. And I think, you know, that's the contrast Democrats want. We're the adults. They're the clown show. Right now, in terms of actual Democratic priorities for 2023, here are my top three. I'm sticking to three as the magic number. The first one is just implementation, implementation, implementation. The Democrats have hundreds of billions of dollars across multiple you know, sectors of the economy to spend. They just spent the first two years laying out a new clean energy, smart industrial policy. Now go get it done. Have Biden going to ribbon cutting ceremonies all over the country, especially in red states, West Virginia, Tennessee, South Carolina, opening new battery factors, factories, new electric vehicle factories, solar factories. Just get it done. Get money in people's hands. Get solar panels on people's roofs. Get factories built and open. That is the best thing they can do. So I want to see implementation. I am actually working on some of this. I'll talk about this in a future uh, episode. Uh, you know, I'm working on one aspect of the climate piece and the kind of implementation, not directly, but kind of assessing the implementation and helping, helping to kind of promote it. But I think this is huge. They have two years to go out and get stuff done, fix bridges, replace lead pipes, help rural areas get fast, high-speed internet. And so that's absolutely number one. If they can implement this in an effective way and show people that government works, that they pass bills and are getting shit done, that's the absolute best thing they can do. The second is more of a defensive slash offensive move, which is prevent GOP sabotage. There is absolutely a significant danger that the House of Representatives can you know, play with the debt ceiling, shut down the government. And so I'm really hoping the Biden team has some contingencies ready to at least minimize the damage. I'm not worried about all the fucking Hunter Biden you know, hearings they're going to have and all the like fake January 6th committee hearings with you know fascists like Jim Jordan running it. Let That's good for the Democrats. Let the country see what fucking morons and fascists all these Republicans are, what they do with their power. Let them see that they're not passing laws, but they're going after the president's son. Right? Great. That I'm not worried about. But sabotaging the economy, that is a risk. And so as long as Biden and the Democrats can prevent major sabotage, that will be a win. And that's their second uh, priority. The third priority is a carryover from 2022, since it didn't get done in 2022, which is a Trump indictment. And I'm going to have a whole episode on the kind of politics around this and the way to message this. And I'll talk a little bit more about the January 6th committee, which was just an incredible, incredible work that that committee done. I mean, they are going to go down in history, including Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, you know, two Republicans for doing patriotic work. And really, I think changing the narrative. I mean, they single handedly changed the narrative to show people how the severity of what happened on January 6th and the lead up to it, that it was planned, that it wasn't just some spontaneous thing. It was a planned coup and insurrection. So I think all three of the things I laid out, 
strong implementation, right? John Podesta, who used to lead the Center for American Progress, is, is in charge of you know the implementation agenda. I think that's great. I'm hoping and I think likely the, 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 Repu- the, the Democrats will be able to prevent Republican sabotage. And again, I think Trump will be indicted, I think within three months, but no later than within by the summer. He will be indicted on multiple federal crimes. So I think it's likely that all three of my uh, predictions are going to be successful and successfully come to pass, setting up 24 to be a great year for Democrats with the wind at their back. So with that, I will now take another break and come back with the antidote. Wind on my back, sun on my shoulder, don't need no more map. Where I'm going Cause wind on my back Sun on my shoulder Don't need no more map To get where I'm going Okay, so the antidote for today is going to be pretty short and sweet here Which is, I'm asking you all, suggesting, recommending That you be proud of the Democrats and Biden Many of us, including me, sometimes get into that defensive crouch of like, yeah, you know, the Democrats aren't great, but they're better than Republicans. Kind of a little of that lesser of two evils, lesser of two bad options. Fuck that. Be proud of the Democrats and Joe Biden. They accomplished historic, historic things this last Congress. They are, Joe Biden is leading the Western world against Russia against a fascist invasion, right? Be proud. They passed marriage equality, protecting the rights of all gay people across the nation, right? They did these things. They did these things. This is not just words. It's not just rhetoric. So don't fall into that both sides-ism, that all politicians are corrupt, all politicians are lazy. Again, go and listen to that David Roberts podcast with Congresswoman Castor and tell me she's lazy, Tell me she's not working her ass off for you and your family and for this nation. Tell me she's not smart, right? The work that went into these Democratic victories is thousands and thousands of people working, many of them in thankless jobs, names you will never know, right? Tens and tens of thousands of hours of work to get this stuff done, right? So if people in your orbit, your colleagues, your friends, your family make those kind of off-the-cuff, lazy remarks. Oh, well, the Democrats are corrupt. Oh, well, both sides do it. Push back. Push back. Show some pride. Say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Many Democrats, not everyone, many Democrats, the Democratic Party, the president, are working overtime for you and your family and for America to make America great, right? We don't just say it. We do it. We put the facts on the ground, right? Push back against the laziness about the, again, that all politicians, that, 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 right? No, there are good politicians and bad politicians. And right now, many, if not most, of the Democratic politicians are doing great work. And so take some pride. It's hard for progressives to take pride in stuff. We're used to losing. We're used to not being super happy with our choices. We're used to the compromise. This is one of those times, take a victory lap. Be prideful, be happy, and support Democrats so that we can continue this work. So with that, everybody, 
I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, stay safe and be well. And again, Happy New Year.